Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. It's time to roll your sleeves up and get your hands dirty with Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. That's us, Dirt Radio. Good morning and welcome, Friends of the Earth. That's us. Check us out at foe.org.au. I'm John Langer. The campaign against the Adani coal mine proposed for Queensland in the Galilee Basin has been described as the biggest environmental battle in Australia since the Franklin Dam blockade. This coming Saturday, the protest is being taken national. All over Australia, the Stop Adani campaign is holding a day of special events and rallies. One of the key organizers is 350.org and Blair... Pallies. Sorry, Blair, I probably mispronounced your name. It's a tough one. (laughs) Uh, Pallies, Blair Blair Pallies, heads up 350.org in Australia, and she's with Dirt Radio, as you've just heard. Good morning, and thanks for your time. Thanks, John. Appreciate your spending some time on this big issue. Oh, that's a pleasure. And uh, look, it's important, actually. And uh, before we get to the Stop Adani National Day of Action on Saturday, Mm -hmm. I want to ask you about the Four Corners program last night on the ABC. The show focused on the power and influence of the Adani Corporation in India. And I wanted to ask you briefly, what did the program reveal about the company that makes the idea of going ahead with this Carmichael mine a very dubious proposition? Sure. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, in that program, they actually didn't have time to cover all of the issues um, that Adani really poses both in India and in Australia in terms of illegal actions, uh, charges brought against the company for various things, worker rights, uh, violation of environmental regulations and laws, whole things that were put built without um, any authority to do so in India, um, tax havens, tax evasion, um, even the the sending in police to the Four Corners um, camera crew mm-hmm. who were trying to investigate what um, Adani's reputation is like in India, you know, the, the heavy-handedness of this company um, and their activities around the world, uh, investigations in other countries like uh, South Africa as well. Uh, you know, it's a real worry. And then you look at, um, at which the program did, the, the amount of, uh, kind of handouts that Australia has been willing to give this company for a coal mine after the signing of the Paris Agreement that would be the biggest mine in the Southern Hemisphere mm-hmm. at a time when we all know we can't be, you know, digging up more coal, burning more coal, supporting uh, coal use around the world, uh, you know, free water uh, license for 60 years, the kind mm-hmm. of things that normal Australians, farmers, grazers, etc., would never get these kinds of breaks are, you know, struggling to make ends meet, and yet we're willing to turn over uh, a huge portion of our country, our resources, our reef, to a company with a very dubious reputation. So it really went into great detail about uh, Adani as a company uh, and raised questions about why we would allow this company to do what it wants to do in the Galilee Basin. Mm-hmm. Look, you've covered a, a huge range of things. I, I was um, going online and I found something that uh, 350.org is circulating a 
top 10 list of reasons for stopping the Adani mine. You've covered a few of them there with mm. the discussion of the program. And now we'll put that uh, on our Dirt Radio website as well. Great, but I wanted thank to, you. I wanted to ask uh, something. If it's a, it's a list 10 reasons. Which of the two reasons that uh, you've put there would be foremost to convince people, specifically in Queensland, to mm. support the, the campaign to stop the mine? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I would say in Queensland, the, the, we're at a fork in the road in Australia economically where we have to decide whether we will continue to pretend that the fossil fuel era is over. Uh, it was not over, and and uh, make a choice to move on and find the economic reasons and ways we can make that shift into the low-carbon economy, whether that's directly into things like renewables or whether it's other industries. I mean, even things like um, having things like, you know, Internet hubs or communities where innovation and online services and those kinds of businesses can be supported in difficult economic condition places. So mm. out-of-the-way communities and small towns, you know, those sorts of things are what the rest of the world is looking to for the next economic boom. Um, digging coal out of the ground is not going to be it, and yet we have six or eight political leaders federally who are literally attached at the hip to the ideology that coal is and will be our economic future. And we, as a, I think, voting population, have to make a choice about the leadership we need to guide us into the next phase. So I'd say that is the first question. Uh, why in the world would we allow, for instance, a $1 billion taxpayer loan to help build rail infrastructure for an industry that is dying around the world? Mm. Even India is rapidly making the switch to renewable industries so, and energy. So, you know, to say that we're going to just keep digging it, we don't look at the market and whether it's shrinking and pretend that that's not happening. Uh, and I think the second reason is strictly climate change. We simply cannot look to having a reef or a safe climate future if we continue to dig coal out of the ground and burn it. And those studies have been done economically and by scientists over and over and over. The message is clear. Australia is ignoring that message. Now, October the 7th, that's this Saturday, is going to become the is the big day of national action. Mm. And I have to say, um, I, I was looking around at some of the things that are happening. I'm actually amazed and really heartened by the number of communities that are involved. Just give us a little bit of a snapshot of what's going on around the country. I know you can't do it in any <laughs> thorough way, but, but just give us a little bit of an idea. Sure. Yeah, look, it is pretty impressive because, you know, the Queensland mine is in Queensland, and yet we have three events in Tasmania, two out in WA, a couple in um, places like southern, you know, rural parts of Victoria or small-town Victoria, Adelaide, um, way far north in Queensland. Uh, so, you know, you've seen people really stepping up. Uh, to come up with some great events. There's a prayer vigil. There are events in front of MPs' offices. There's a giant human sign on uh, Bondi Beach. Uh, you know, all kinds of creative ways people have come up with to peacefully protest and protest this mine and to say to our government leaders, whether it's Queensland government or federal government, uh, we will not allow this mine to go ahead. So it's inspiring to watch that kind of uh, enthusiasm for getting involved, taking off. And, you know, it's not just this mine. We want to send a message to our political leaders that we want that change from 
fossil fuels to the better alternative of our future, and we need leadership to get us there. Mm-mm, absolutely. And uh, there's something happening in Melbourne, too. Uh, we'll put that That's on right. our, our website. It's going to be happening in Princess Park, I think. And, exactly, uh, yep. Yep, yep. So that'll be a big event as well. Something else I wanted to ask you, and then, again, this is maybe, maybe veering off a little bit, but certainly related to the National Day of Action. As a campaigner yourself, could you point to one factor or a couple of factors that m- this is a huge national mobilization? Is there one factor that sort of helped uh, this this sort of thing to happen? Uh, you mean the Adani campaign itself and becoming that kind of big national push? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just, it's so absurd that, you know, anyone gets it fairly quickly. The size of it the impact of it, the fact that we're watching before our eyes our Great Barrier Reef bleach and be destroyed by warming oceans sends a message, I think, right through you. Know, through you. And you can think about it, but you can sense and feel that it's just the wrong thing to do. And most people who stand back and have a look about the choices we have to make um, reasonably look at it and say, how could you justify a, mm. a mine of this size with a company with that kind of dubious reputation? Uh, so I think it's just the, the sheer black and white nature of the Adani coal mine, like something like the tar sands in North America, uh, where it just doesn't make any sense, and you have to question why we push ahead. Mm. Uh, when mm. other parts of the world, Europe in particular, and even Asia, China is moving so fast, mm, so mm. quickly to renewable energy. You know, we know it can be done, that economies don't collapse, that countries continue to thrive. Mm. And yet we p- persist in uh, going after a mine of this size. I-, I think it's that that resonates most with people, particularly people with kids and grandkids who look at it and think what kind of a legacy are we leaving to the future generations of, of the world, but also here in Australia. And just in relation to just continue with this this sort of topic about mobilization, specifically about the National Day of Action on Saturday, mm-hmm. the thing that occurred to me is the importance of social media and all this. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that something which, which you've considered as well? Mm. Absolutely. In fact, 350 was founded back in 2009 with a very much a similar big day of action to this where we put the number 350 all over the world and the idea was to get people to ask what does that mean? And, and that's by using social media to go directly to people, invite them to see these events, ask what it is, maybe participate, come up with their own ideas about doing it, mm. and using those channels where we can directly communicate with people about uh, things like climate that you know we know people care about but often find it difficult to uh, spend a lot of time thinking about the science, the detail of it, uh, and making, uh, you know, providing people an opportunity to get involved in something in their community that's very clear-cut, that's simple. It's a nonviolent protest day. It's peaceful. There'll be families, mm-hmm. picnics, various things like that. But it's sending a strong message that we won't accept uh, inaction on climate, and we expect leadership to guide us from fossil fuels into what we do next in clean energy. Blair, I'm I'm shaking my head when you're talking about this leadership stuff. I, I every yeah. time I I hear yeah. this, I keep I keep shaking my head and wondering what 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 is actually going on. <laughs> but look, tell us uh, about where people can find out more and uh, how they can get involved. I know there's lots of places around the country sure. you just mentioned, but give us a website or something. Absolutely, the uh, stopadani.com website has a, a section called the Action Day, and you can click on that, and there's a great map that shows you all of the events. I think we're up to almost forty events around the country. 
So there's likely to be one near you, or we're asking people also to uh, do their own. If you live in a small country town or outside of Melbourne and, and there's nothing directly near you, you know, come up with your own small approach, even if it's just holding up a sign in front of your city or your town sign or getting a group of people together from your church or your school group or sporting club, whatever it might be, to join the effort to send that message on the 7th. Uh, so it, there are different ways to upload pictures. And like our first day in 2009, you know, watching those images kind of come in from around the country and being part of that is really special. Uh, so we're trying to make it as inclusive as we can and asking people all over to do what works for them in their community to send that message to Stop Adani. Blair, it's really great talking to you and really inspiring hearing about what's been going on. So all the best for the day and Thank also you, keep up the good work. Thank you so much. And to all your folks who stick in with Dirt Radio and listen about uh, ongoing environmental stuff, you know, hang with us. It's going to take a movement to get active on this issue. And the more people we can activate to be involved, the more we can have an impact to change that leadership dilemma and make it clear that, you know, people can't stay in power if they're going to ignore the issues that we care about. Thanks so much. Speak to you Thank soon. Thank you, John. All the That was Blair Palise, and she's the CEO of 350.org in Australia. She's talking about, as you heard there, the National Day of Action, which is coming up to stop the Adani mine this Saturday at a community near you. Hello? Listen, I had a great idea. Male chauvinist pig versus hairy-like feminist. You're still a feminist, right? I'm a tennis player who happens to be a woman. The battle you've all been waiting to see. The battle of the sexes. You want to see it, right? Then get along and support 3CR at the Palace with Gas Cinemas, 89 High Street, Northcote, on Thursday, October 5th, from 6.30pm, for a screening of Battle of the Sexes. You're offering the men's winner eight times what you're offering the women's winner. The men are simply more exciting to watch. It's just biology. <laughs> The story of the infamous tennis match between Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs. Tickets are $25 and $20 concession. You can purchase online at 3cr.org.au, direct from the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy, or by phoning 9419 8377 during business hours. All funds raised go to keeping 3CR on air. Battle of the Sexes screening, Thursday, October the 5th from 6.30pm. Does she have the nerve? Call Bobby. Tom, it's on. And uh, <clears throat> you are with Dirt Radio. This is 3CR and we're foe.org.au, Friends of the Earth. You can check us out online. <clears throat> Got a bit of a, a bit of a croak in my throat this morning. Our next guest is also deeply interested in and dubious, very dubious, about the Adani Mine Project, Ruchira Talukdar is an Indian environmental advocate. She's works as she's worked as a strategist and campaigner with Greenpeace and the Australian Conservation Foundation. And right now she's doing research on making connections between anti coal activism in India and Australia. Hello, Ruchira. Hi, John. And hello everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Dirt Radio. I wanted to uh get to the Four Corners program. I'm assuming that you watched it last night. Is that right? Yes, I did. I did indeed. And you were, you've been observing the Adani group for quite some time and the way it operates in India. What did you think about the program and what it revealed? Were there any surprises for you? Uh, not surprises. 
surprises, really. But, you know, when everything is actually put together, piled up on a plate and presented to you, it still is very shocking. I mean, the level of, um, I mean, the level of environmental violations and the impunity with which companies like Adani Enterprises operate in India is just unbelievable, actually. Um, and it just kind of actually shows to the model of governance and economic development that's going on at the moment. So it is India's high um, growth rate over the last, it's slowed down a little now, but sustained over a period of 10 years, a high growth rate of 7% GDP increase um, in this new millennium. And that was, that was through extractive economic development, that was through mining. And companies like Adani rose to wealth at that time. And that was not just because they were really clever at the game. It was also because of in huge amounts of favoritism from governments. That has been the model of India's um, really high economic growth rate. That, has, that is how it has been sustained. Adani obviously takes the cake compared to all other companies. To still see all that evidence put together and presented to you on a plate is very confronting. Mm -hmm. And of course, as, as India's ex-environment minister, Jainam Ramesh, who was in that program, said to an Indian looking at how companies like Adani operate in India, um, to then see the Australian government and Queensland government roll out the red carpet and bend over backwards like the way they are doing is surprising because mm. we do expect countries like Australia to actually have better checks and measures, which actually includes mm. being wary of companies who have a you know, really high track record in um, flouting environmental norms and involving in all kinds of corruption. He so said... it, has, it is very surprising to see the Australian government roll, over, roll the red carpet and completely bend over backwards like the way they're doing. Uh, the former minister in the program for people who didn't watch it, he, I think you were, he, he said basically he, he expected Australia to do a little bit more of its homework before he, before it got involved in these kinds of things. Yes. Now we're we are in Australia, and uh, generally we don't hear much about the opposition to coal mining in India. I, I wanted to ask you how widespread is this opposition, and. Just to give us a little bit of an idea, are there campaigns or how does it work? Does it work nationally, locally? And also, I guess the other thing that, that, that became evident in that program is it is dangerous. It's in the sense that Adani is a very powerful company. So how dangerous is it to, to run campaigns like that? Hmm. Well, um, I mean, yes, Adani is a dangerous company. And look, mining companies on the ground in India... Um, operate in their own way. They make their own rules, and they they they, they violate all kinds of environmental legislations and regulations. Um, so, in kind of trying to answer both your questions uh, together, mm. uh, well, look, there is no sustained anti-coal campaign in India like we have in Australia, in the sense that we don't have. Um, say, national or international NGOs working strategically with other smaller groups, but the way we have in Australia, really well networked, coming up with messages which are relevant both on the ground, talking about water and farmland 
um, and and also talking about global and international issues like climate change and why coal is bad. Um, and that is because of many different kinds of reasons. Uh, there is a strong, what we call the developmental paradigm, which is the need to grow, the need to develop. And you can't disregard that looking at the conditions or situation on the ground in India. It is a developing country. Now, the model of development slash economic growth is one where you basically industrialize the economy and you expect mm. that, you know, basically there will be a trickle-down effect. Mm-hmm. Now, globally, we know by now that doesn't work, but the point is that the, that is the path the whole world has taken. India has too. So this basically the understanding that, yes, we need to develop, yes, we need to industrialize to actually bring everyone within the folds of the benefits of modernity, so on and so forth. That is a, that is a strong mindset, and coal has been the chief fuel to provide the electricity for everything, you know, to mm-hmm. basically to grow. So to actually shake that, to make governments wean away from that, um, that paradigm, and to even make kind of, you know, public look the other way is difficult, you know, regardless of the fact that coal causes enormous amounts of local pollution. Now, what is interesting in terms of what has been happening over the last 20 years, which is pretty much the time that India has... So India um, used to be a socialist country till the end of the 1980s, and economic liberalization and basically opening up the economy to, you know, to basically Mm. allow a lot of private direct investment, foreign direct investment, happened from the early uh, 90s. And since then, there has been a lot of private players in domains which were purely um, of, of the state, that is electricity uh, mining, coal mining. Uh, coal India Limited is, is still is the largest um, uh, producer of coal in the world, uh, and, and thermal power generation. These also started getting privatized, and many other air sectors started getting privatized. With the coming of private players, there's been a loosening of a lot of different kinds of laws. And what has been happening is that private mining companies have been operating on the ground. And the state has been acquiring land for these private companies Mm. to operate. Now, this has actually led to a wave of a new kind of resistance. I mean, there's an argument that used to apply in India for a long time about the greater common good. You know, basically the state acquires land, the state mines the state develops the state that mm. is all for the greater common good. Some communities must sacrifice because it is their land that they have to give up. Now, that greater common good notion does not apply anymore when you have private miners mm. acquiring private wealth like Adani, and we know how Adani operates coming in. And, and, and the land acquisition for uh, resource mining, just not coal, but everything, has just skyrocketed in this time as well. So there has been... There is a tsunami of resistance on the ground, and that is happening from farmers, peasants, India's indigenous communities, whose land get affected, who get displaced. Mm, mm. Now, these are communities who have, in some ways, seen earlier displacements because of India's earlier waves of industrial development, large dams in the 50s and 60s, big thermal power plants in the 1970s and 80s, and so on and so forth. But the scale of displacement that's happening now is mm. enormous. Mm. So mm. they they have some prior knowledge, and they have some environmental you know knowledge of environmental legislations now. So they're better prepared. And so there is there is a wave of resistance on the ground. 
Now, these are not necessarily connected to bigger NGOs in some places than yes. they are. I'll talk about one example just a little later, maybe, in the interview. So it's not as coordinated, as sustained, and the message is not purely anti-coal like we have in Australia for a range of different reasons. Yes. But there is, there is a mosaic of resistance that's coming from the ground. And something that um, I, I wanted to ask, and we're, we're running out of time, but you're doing some research in trying to link up the opposition to coal mining in India and uh, the opposition to coal mining in Australia. What are you trying yes. to find, or what what are those linkages that you're trying to make? And we'll have to be very, very brief because we are running out of time. Sure. I think one thing we really need to think about doing is not disregard the you know, what the government says is the moral claim for selling coal. That is the, you know, the poor in India need electricity. We should actually work with that argument and show that what the government's saying is false, but nevertheless not disregard that development need because that is a very historic claim that India makes. And I could, we could, civil societies could work both with that claim and debunk it. The second is actually we're talking about climate impacts. You know, Considering the Adani mine mm. and the impact on the Great Barrier Reef, let's also talk about the impact on the Himalayan glaciers and the water supply for mm. more than 500 million Indians or people in the Indian subcontinent, because globe, climate impacts are global. So we could actually link these kinds of messages across two very different places, which are now brought together because of thanks to Adani and the Australian mm. government's mm. willingness to dig up coal and talk about messages that resonate in both places. Very interesting. Very interesting. Now, let me finish up with uh, a couple of questions. Very brief questions. Do you think the Four Corners program that we watched last night should be compulsory viewing for all Australians, especially when they start to think about where their tax money is going? And absolutely. You, absolutely. And what about, are you going to anything on the Stop Adani Day on Saturday? Yes, I'm actually planning to go to a couple of events in Sydney because they are different times. Yes, I am. Excellent. Well, look, it's been great talking to you, and unfortunately we have run out of time, but I think we'd like to bring you back and you could, we can talk a little bit more about some of your research and see how you're going with it. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks so much for being on Dirt Radio. And I'm talking there with Ruchira Talukdar, and she's an Indian environmental advocate doing research on anti-coal activism in India and Australia. We'll put up lots of links on our Dirt Radio page. Bit of a croaky voice this morning. I don't know what's happened to it, but that's it for us this week. You can find us on at foe.org.au. I'm John Langer.